0: Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: And my name's Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before.
0: Annie, we have reached Book 1, Water, Chapter 18, The Waterbending Master.
1: We're so close. So it's this episode and then a two-parter. That's like the season finale.
0: Yeah, yeah. We are are on the verge of wrapping up this season. Uh, So let's jump right into it.
1: Okay, so... The 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 squad the team uh, we open with them flying really low over the water on Oppa and there's this cute little koala otter that's like swimming along and and Oppa uh, flies above it and we see a shadow and the otter swims away so like clearly they are in North Pole territory right and so the gang um, and Oppa are flying and in the background we see like uh, jagged sharp icebergs mm-hmm. kind of towering up.
0: Right, and we haven't really seen them travel like this before. I mean, th- being so low to the so low to the ground.
1: Yeah, and why?
0: I presume because they're looking for something. Sure, that makes sense.
1: Yes, because Sokka is complaining as he does, and he goes, "I'm not one to complain, but can't Appa fly any higher?" And Aang defends him, and he's like, "If you want like if you want to fly higher, why don't we get on your back and then we'll go fly above uh, where Appa's going?" So. Aang's not having that sass, and Katara's like, "All right, guys, like, clearly we're all really tired. We're all really hungry. Um, I think that we just need to settle down, right? Like, they've been flying for two days straight.
0: We learn. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of uh, are we there, are we there yet vibes at this point, right? There's just a frustration with we've, you know, because if we think about the maps that we've seen, they've gone from whatever the northernmost Earth Kingdom place, and now they've. They've had to take a trip over a big stretch of water, presumably, so yep. maybe they've just been going, and Appa is probably exhausted at this point.
1: And they might have been circling a while, too, because Sokka says, we can't find the northern water tribe, right? So it's right. there. They just
0: keep, They don't know what they're looking for. Right. Yeah. They might
1: have f- like passed it so many times, and they just don't know where And And is. as
0: we'll see, they're not easy to find.
1: Right. Um, so he, so he's like, We're, we've just been flying over water and ice for two days. Uh, But suddenly this jagged wall of ice, like the iceberg, shoots out of the water in front of Appa and Aang has to like sharply maneuver Appa um, so that they avoid crashing into it. And the crew starts to hold on for their dear life. uh, But another wall of ice rises up out of the water and hits Appa's feet and they fall down into the ocean um, and then ice surrounds them and Appa's stuck in the water and we see a group of waterbenders on boats and they start surrounding the crew and they're like
0: there's other waterbenders like this is scary but also good right because the interesting thing is we don't know that they're friendly right <laughs> you know because their their first introduction is to functionally attack appa right right mm-hmm. but um so so
1: they're like on these little boats. It's like a naval fleet of mm-hmm. waterbenders. Um, so, but we don't get resolution. We cut instead to a Fire Nation naval base sure. is what I put in my notes. <laughs> Please correct me if you think that I'm getting any of this wrong. Uh, but at the naval base is this, uh, the admiral's tent. And so he's the Zhao on the inside and his hands are crossed and he's looking up. We see from behind at a, a giant map on the wall.
0: I love I love when we get maps. I know it's really I was helpful. thinking about you,
1: and um, he said that Hang Aang is headed towards the Northern Water Tribe. Um, that he's likely looking for a teacher, a waterbending teacher there.
0: I thought this was pretty astute of of Zhao, to, who's not always necessarily astute to like <laughs> know what their plan is. Mm. You know, maybe they've been questioning people and learning, but like. To not just know like, okay, they're going north, but why are they going north? What is the plan?
1: Did did Zhao know about the waterbending scroll or was that just Zuko?
0: Well, we're going to see that he knows parts of that story. Sure. Yeah. So
1: maybe there's some, yeah, maybe he could piece it together with yeah, yeah. some of what he heard.
0: It's still well done by Zhao.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and Captain Lee is he's kind of his advisors are around a table in in the tent and um, he wants to attack now. And Zhao says, Patience, Captain Lee, this isn't some little earth village that we can just march into. The Water Tribe is a great nation. There's a reason they've survived a hundred years of war. The frozen tundra is treacherous and a landscape itself is an icy fortress. Um, which we'll see it very much is later. And again we have language from Zhao from the fire nation of like racial hierarchies, right? To say like, oh, it's so easy to take over these more isolated Earth Kingdom villages, but then it's much harder to attack this this nation that has a long standing history and there's like some respect for that. Mm-hmm. Which reminded me of like East Asian racial hierarchies in World War Two, especially like leading up to um, the start of the war with Japan, like taking over China. Did it Did it remind you a little bit of that?
0: You know, well, I have less experience with that, and but it did remind me of something. Um, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit further in history. It reminded me of uh, in Herodotus. Mm. Um, he's talking about sort of the different groups of people and he talks about the Scythians and how the Scythians were never conquered because they are... Uh, they were regarded sort of more as a nomadic people, mm. and um, that that made them. They they lived in a in a difficult landscape. Um, they were hard to conquer. They were a people that were on the move. They were, and so it made me think of like, and and, and we're gonna see that the the uh, ice, or that the um the water tribe actually has this huge fortress city right? but I don't know that Zhao knows about that right. entirely but he definitely knows that these are hard people to conquer so it makes me think it made me think of the Scythians and Herodotus and also really the Arab people you mm-hmm. know um, pre-Muhammad Arabs where it's just like nobody really conquers the Arabian Peninsula because the landscape is really harsh you have this nomadic people right You you don't have a city you can just go to and say we're going to lay siege to this city that's the thing with the Scythians too is like how do you like find them. Mm-hmm. Clearly Katara and Aang, who are water tribe people, can't find their city. Right. Right? So so it made me think of that. Like there is this this long history of like certain people groups are much harder to conquer. And so that when I heard him say that, those are the things that I thought of.
1: Yeah, and I don't think we come we don't hear that kind of language coming from the Earth Kingdom about others. Do I mean there's a lot of anger towards the Fire Nation. Right. And there's painting that all Fire Nation people in a certain way, but the hierarchical language is mostly coming from the Fire Nation. I mean, I I guess because they're the ones at top, right? Right,
0: right. I I think so. And, you know, and we know that... um the Fire Nation's been very successful conquering the Earth Kingdom with one exception, Ba Sing Se, right? right. Well, and actually, actually, uh, Umashu has not been conquered either. But Ba Sing Se seems like the, I mean, that's their big capital city. That seems like this big fortress city that I really want to go to. And I can't believe we haven't been there yet. <laughs> um, but I presume that's going to be in Yeah,
1: it'll two. be in, in good time, right? So, um... So instead, Zhao says, "Like we need to orchestrate a massive invasion, so we can't just rush in right now. So we need to gain. We need to get more resources. Um, so then we go back to Appa swimming in the water, and the Gang are riding on him, and, and these the small Water Nation fleet is escorting them through the ocean to um, to where the fortress is going to be, and they approach." I call it the front gates of the Northern Water Tribe Territory. It's mostly just a wall of ice. Mm -hmm. And so, like, from the outside, this probably just looks like a big iceberg, right? Right. Um, but we'll see that they can water bend their way into past these walls um and that's where this massive fortress is and it's all made out of ice.
0: Well, this is so cool because we see like really powerful water benders here, oh yeah, that we haven't seen before,
1: yes, and um so like everything the walls itself, everything's made of uh, of ice, and there's a circular symbol of a moon that has waves coming out of it, and that's on like everyone's. Um, earrings, everyone's outfits inside of the city is this moon with the water.
0: So I kind of, it made me wonder, is this the Basingse of the water tribe? Like, must is be. This, is this, this must be their big capital city. Right, right? But right. It, But again, it's a hidden city and I don't know how much people know specifics about it.
1: Right, right. Um, there's, so, so there are watchtowers, everything's made of ice and Katara has her hand to her chest as they're coming up to this, like I mean, it's like if an Earth person or Earth Kingdom person saw bossing say, right? Yeah. It's like, this is- It's like, breathtaking. Yeah, right. And like the peak of my culture is here. Um, and Sokka says, we're finally here. And so one ship approaches and they're kind of flat ships and you have um, like four or five waterbenders on them. And in unison, the waterbenders start bending and opening through the ice that allows Appa and the fleet to, to pass through. Um, And again, there's like, this is a series of thick fortress walls, so they're, we're watching them open up these different fortress walls in different ways. It
0: reminds me of—I can't believe I'm referencing this episode—but it <laughs> reminds me of the guide in uh, the Great Divide, how he can like build a bridge and take it down, like with, oh, with yeah. earthbending. Like it's like they're they're taking down these and and then presumably rebuilding these huge thick ice walls. Yeah. It's really cool.
1: It's cool because in Omashu we saw some of the practical sides of being of earth bending and now we get to see what people can do with water bending that's just like helps you in your everyday life. Um and so obviously it's a really well protected fortress. And there's like swelling orchestral music in the background. It's like a it's a really big moment for the gang. Um and they're at their happiest taking in the scenery around them. And so Appa swims through these different canals, I guess, mm-hmm. through the city uh, inside the fortress. And Aang says, we'll find a master, a-, a water master to teach us, no problem. I mean, they're surrounded by all these folks who are helping them get through these gates that are waterbenders. Um, and so the crew is led down this long canal toward the main fortress that's in the back of this iceberg, I guess we'll just call it, mm-hmm. Ice Mountain. And um, And so... Uh, people are on rooftops and on bridges and they're all waving at the Aang gang. So it is like a friendly welcome. Absolutely. Which we weren't yeah. sure about at first, but it seems like the warmest welcome they've gotten so far. Absolutely. Uh, so, so Aang is like waving at the people and, and like kind of taking on his role as Avatar.
0: And it makes me wonder, like Zhao could figure out that this that, that the Avatar is going there for a specific reason. It makes me wonder like, have they been preparing for the coming Aww. of the Avatar because everybody in the world knows the Avatar is back and they know the first thing he needs to learn is water bending. and where else would you go?
1: Right. Oh, that's a good idea. A good point because they do. I mean, we'll see a celebration in a little bit here. Uh, but a small boat passes them in the same canal going the opposite direction and it has a young woman sitting in the center and somehow she doesn't like turn her head and look at this giant bison and the avatar floating by her but you know whatever and um, the so another practical thing is like there's a water bender behind her on the boat it's just the two of them and he's making motions like he's rowing but without oars in his hand so he's like making the, the boat move through the canal just through bending and uh, the girl has long, bright white hair. She's probably, I think we learned she's 16, so about Sokka's age. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everything is in blue and purple in the city, her outfit uh, and her fur jacket. And Sokka is like smitten. So Katara's like, this place is beautiful. And Sokka goes, yeah, she is. Right. And then we cut. <laughs> we get some cheesy Sokka moments this episode. I liked
0: it, though. He does it well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And yes. So... Um, We cut to then... Maybe my favorite scene of all time. What I've been waiting for. What you've been waiting for. Music night on the ship with Iro. I almost just
0: called you when I was watching this and was like,
1: <laughs> "Music night!" It happened. Uh, so there's like six crew members around the fire, which I think is like most of the people that are on Zuko's ship at this point are yeah. there, except for Zuko. Um, so we got people playing percussion, maybe a lute. I yeah, some I mean, sort
0: of stringed instrument. Yeah,
1: the sungi horn makes an appearance, and. Uh, Iroh is singing The lyrics Winter, spring, summer, fall Four seasons, four loves Four seasons, four love Great song Great I was honestly stuck in my head later I was like singing it to myself and um some shipmates are like two of the shipmates are dancing i loved that too yeah it's like very different ages uh, um both men but they're they're like dancing this slow beautiful romantic dance
0: and what i love is that we know that there are music nights so this is like something that everybody's on board with like i think they get excited for this right yeah. and they take turns singing cuz we know that he talked about how somebody else had sung once and...
1: yeah and it's clearly not just to like entertain iro they're all they're all loving this moment. Yeah. It. Um it kind of softens out the Fire Nation soldiers for me. But the song ends just as Admiral Zhao emerges onto the deck with uh two soldiers and one of the strings breaks and it's like, uh-oh, every everyone stops. But we don't get to see what happens. Instead, we go back to the Aangang, and now they're sitting at this massive celebration. Like it looks like uh a wedding reception, basically.
0: I think it looks like a wedding reception meets the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. True. There's just, there's a lot of fanfare.
1: Oh yeah, there is. Uh, They're at the top of the Ice Fortress now um, by, like, outside of, I guess we'd call it the palace, uh, the Ice Palace. Mm -hmm. And it's nighttime, you have people drumming, um, and there's, like, music, live music, and there's a feast for the guests. And obviously, Aang and the crew are the special guests. They're kind of at the head table. Um, And there's Uh, And and even Appa's like given this ornate bowl of food. So everyone is in good spirits. And the leader, who I guess is the king, I don't know that we ever learn his name.
0: Yeah, we don't necessarily learn their structure. But yeah, I would assume he's the king.
1: We'll call him the king. So he stands up. He's at the head table with Aang and he addresses the party. And he says, tonight we celebrate the arrival of our brother and sister from the southern tribe. And they have brought with them someone very special, someone who many of us believe disappeared from the world until now, the Avatar. And then the crowd claps and cheers, and we see, like, this beautiful fountain and waterfalls. It's, like you said, fanfare. Um, But he also says it's a celebration of his daughter's 16th birthday, Princess Yue, who is of marrying age.
0: And I will say, we don't have any context for this statement right now. So that struck me as deeply creepy. (laughs) Not her age, but that—that's how it, that's how he would introduce the like. She's sixteen now; she can get married. Like, cheer for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, and again, we're gonna learn more about the culture. So, like, I get why it's said that way, but out of context, didn't love it. Right, I agree. I agree. And
1: so she walks up, and it's like she has a little speech memorized for this moment, um, and it's the girl we saw earlier in the canal. Uh, the one that, that Sokka's obsessed with. And she says, may the great ocean and moon spirits watch over us during these troubled times. So now we get a little bit of, again, like maybe a religious sense mm-hmm. that we, we don't really know much about, but the right. ocean and moon spirits, yeah. uh, which is the symbol on the buildings, right? Is the moon and then the ocean coming out of it.
0: And it's it's also, again, like you said, a reference to the spirit world. We saw for, We saw a forest spirit um, but we haven't really revisited that. So it's, that's, that's very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a main performance that begins on this stage for for the special guests. And it's uh, centered on the waterbending master, Paku, um, and two of his male students. Um, so they're doing these like beautiful displays of waterbending. And all the while, Sokka is shoveling in food at the head table. And then Princess Yue comes and sits down right next to him. And he introduces himself really awkwardly. He's like, so you're a princess, huh? Well, back in my tribe, I'm kind of like a prince myself. And Katara is sitting next to him and she's like, ha, right. Prince of what? Like, nice, smooth. Um, And Sokka tries to ask her out. He's like, I guess we're going to be here for a while, me and my friends. I'm thinking maybe we could do an activity together. And uh, Princess Yue laughs at him and she's like, an activity? Um, So, we don't know,
0: right? And I, I again, I'm the person who didn't love the fortune teller episode, and and you know, uh, in terms of, I shouldn't say I did that I didn't love it. I I didn't love. I don't want them to lean too heavily into like romantic relationships, but I really liked. The, I like this wasn't overdone, and I actually really liked it, and I liked how Sokka, when he actually has to do it, he's awkward and, and yes, yeah,
1: he's very ang like around yes. other women, right? So, um. The king then introduces Aang after the ceremony to Master Paku kind of privately off to the side. And Paku, I wrote, is cold, haha. But he is kind of like a grumpy person, mm-hmm. like right off the bat. And he says, um, and so the king says like, oh, will you, you know, teach teach the avatar waterbending? And Paku says, just because you're destined to save the world, don't expect any special treatment. And Aang's taken aback by how cold he is. And he says, my friend and I can't wait to start training with you after we just relax a couple days, right? He's trying to be, like, jovial. He, he like, gets on the good side of people pretty quick.
0: I feel like Aang had his best teacher for his first teacher. Gyatsu was, like, seemed kind of great.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Bumi's, like, throwing strange tests at him. This guy's kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Paku says, if you want to relax, then I suggest visiting a tropical island. And he says, I'll see you at sunrise, right? So this guy's not going to be easy on Aang. And uh, then we go back to Zuko's ship after music night ends. And Zuko is sulking on the inside. He's leaning against a wall. His arms are crossed. He looks upset. Um, Mike wanted me to note that his guns are out. He is wearing a tank top. Um, so there's that. And I noticed, too, that his scar is shaped like a fireball. Did you ever notice that?
0: Not until you said it, but yeah. It totally is. Yeah. That's really interesting. It looks
1: like a fireball on his face. Um so Iroh enters the room kind of timidly, partially standing in the doorway, and he's and, and Zuko says, For the last time I am not playing the
0: Sungi horn. <laughs> so maybe it's hard to get Zuko on board with Music Night. But I like that he that implies he can play the Sungi <laughs> horn. <though. laughs> yes. He just won't. (laughs) Right.
1: Um, And Iroh says, uh, instead, he says, we got a problem. And Zhao walks into the room behind him, um, saying that he's taking their crew for an expedition to the North Pole. No questions asked. He is taking them. Mm
0: -hmm. And now he has the power to do it.
1: Right. And Iroh confirms this to Zuko, and he sadly states that he's even taking the cook. And (laughs) Iroh, like, dramatically cries into his arm. And... Zhao says that they're taking the crew because they have a plan to capture the Avatar, um, something that obviously touches on Zuko's ego, something Zuko can't do or hasn't been able to do yet. And he warns Zuko to back off, to not get involved, to not get in the way. And Zuko hearing this feels um, betrayed, threatened, I guess. And he lunges towards Zhao with his fists raised, but Iroh intervenes and is talking him down. And as Iroh's talking him down, Um, Zhao doesn't flinch, but instead he turns his head towards the wall and he sees
0: two broadswords. Now, when you first saw the broadswords, did you think of anything? No. Neither did I. Okay. Like uh, that was, that was, I, I liked this because Zhao got there before we did.
1: Yes. And they had to show us a flashback of the blue spirit holding those swords, holding back Aang, um, when, when they were trying to escape from the Fire Nation, uh, soldiers. So Zhao remembers these broadswords and he says, I didn't think you were skilled with broadswords, Prince Zuko. And Zuko notices his eyes kind of narrow
0: and he's like, I'm, I'm not. They're, they're antiques. He says they're antiques and they're decorative. Yeah. Right? <laughs> which is just something about that turn of phrase I really liked as well. <laughs>
1: me too. Me too. Uh, and then Zhao asks if Iroh has heard of the blue spirit. And Iroh cautiously and very, I thought, mechanically answered, I don't think he's real. Right. And I I'm on board with thinking that Iroh knows that it's Zuko, right? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I think going back to that episode it ends with that sort of Alfred Bruce Wayne moment. Mm. I think he knows but they don't talk about it. Right, right. Because because Iroh I'm presuming has trained has trained Zuko. Iroh I certainly will know would know that Zuko knows how to use those swords and right. stuff. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, So Zhao walks out and he says, well, you know, justice will catch up with the blue spirit. We'll catch him sometime. Very menacing. Yep. And he reminds Iroh of an offer that stands for Iroh to also join his mission to the North Pole. So even though he acquired the crew, obviously Iroh's a general. He doesn't have the power to do so with him. So it's an offer that stands for Iroh.
0: But it's also an acknowledgment that Zhao is acknowledging how powerful Iroh is. hmm
1: Yeah. He can't... Yes. Yes. Uh, the next morning, we're back in the Ice Fortress, and Aang and Katara are excitedly but anxiously walking up towards um, their training session with Paku. And it's outside the palace, kind of in this big courtyard. And Katara has waited her whole life to train for this moment. So um, she's really excited. And we see Paku in the foreground kind of serenely bending water in this courtyard of ice. And Aang yells from the background, Good morning, Master Paku! And uh, it's off to a bad start, right? Because Paku loses his concentration. He says something snarky like, Oh, I wasn't concentrating. Good to see you too. Um, he's a real grunt machine. But Paku looks at, at Katara and he's like, oh, oh, there's been a misunderstanding in our tribe. It's forbidden for women to learn waterbending. And Katara looks angry and she says, what do you mean you won't teach me? I didn't travel across the entire world for you to tell me no.
0: I loved this because she's, remind, she's reminding us that her mission is not merely to get Aang trained but she went there ang said i will take you to the north pole to find you a teacher yeah right that this is that this is part of it
1: yeah yeah and i also was curious how much of um how much of a patriarchy there is in the southern water tribe versus the northern water tribe because she feels like this came out of the blue but maybe she's also more worldly maybe well
0: she's also i mean let's remember we i think we did the math last week um Katara, the men left when she was like four. True, four or five. So like, even if there was a patriarchy, there wasn't patriarchs around to continue it.
1: Right, right. And yes, I suppose most of the women in the village are the ones leading everybody. Right, right. Um, So, uh, so Paku says that women learn from Yagoda um, to use water bending to heal. Uh, but it was interesting because he says women are forbidden to learn water bending, but somehow healing as a form of water bending doesn't count.
0: I think when he says water bending, he means a pati- he I mean, he means. I th- my guess is to his mind, what is real water bending, which seems to be like fighting, right? Right,
1: and not healing. Yeah, where we just saw Zhang Zhang talk to. Uh, talked to Katara in a couple episodes earlier saying like this is the one of the most important things this is one of the most powerful things a waterbender can do I wish I could do that right heal not fight
0: right so what I like about that is we saw when we talked about Zhang Zhang we talked about how he doesn't fully under I mean as wise as he seems he doesn't fully understand because he only looks at fire as this negative right so what we're also seeing here is that Paku as powerful as he is He's short-sighted, not just in terms of Katara's gender, but even thinking about what is powerful about water.
1: Right. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I like, too, that the masters, in that way, they're not just masters. Like, they have a lot of room to grow as well. And um, Aang chimes in, and he says, your rules aren't fair. If you won't teach Katara, then I won't learn from you. And Kat- and he storms off in anger. And Katara stops him before he can get too far, and she's like, "You this... You know, you need to do this. You can't sacrifice your training on my behalf. Uh, you are the Avatar.
0: So what's interesting is, is, uh, and I think this is uh, maybe a big theme in this episode that we'll track going forward, is to what degree, and it's mostly Aang and Katara, to what degree can they fight each other's battles and to what degree do people have to fight their own battles, mm-hmm. right? Because Aang wants to, wants to, like, fight her battle with her. And she's kind of, she's not saying... I'm not going to fight this battle but she's saying you you can't fight this one for me you can't sacrifice what you because you have a mission but I also have a mission um, yeah. you know and, and we're going to have to fight our own battles which is interesting
1: yeah and in this whole episode we see the three people the Aang gang go off in different directions anyway mm-hmm. they're training with different people um, so we then see a very eager Sokka who is running across a bridge because he notices Princess Yue in a canal in the canal on a boat and um, Sokka catches up to her and he keeps pace with her along like a river path. He's mm-hmm. walking along as she's in the boat. And um, she says like, oh, I'm really glad that you enjoyed the party last night that uh, we had for you. And he says, well, it wasn't as much fun after you left.
0: Pretty good line.
1: It was, she, she had some like little rosy cheeks. Uh, so he's doing, he's doing well. Um, and he invites her again to, quote, do an activity at a place for some time. <laughs>
0: Just He's just avoiding the word date. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's really sincere and it's sweet. And um, I wrote that it's not aloof like he told Aang to be, right? To not care. Mm-hmm. Like this is actually him really – he's trying, but it's, it's sincere. And Yue seems delighted by the offer and she agrees and she says, I'll meet you on that bridge um, at night, tonight. And so Sokka, as he's waving a goodbye, he um, accidentally not- or doesn't notice that the path in front of him ends and he falls, like, straight into the water. Um, and Yue laughs as she goes away. Uh, and-, and he says something like, it was worth it. Right? Like, I'll see you tonight. I'm right. glad it was worth falling in the water.
0: And just he just sort of falls back and looks up at the sky and, like, could not be happier at that yeah. moment. Which I think is, like, I don't know that we've seen Sokka particularly happy. I mean, he's been not unhappy, but like this is like a moment of bliss for him, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is kind of cool.
1: So then uh, we go back to the Fire Nation naval base in the Admiral's tent, and we see Zhao offering a small chest of gold uh, to somebody that he's talking to, and and it's revealed that it's the pirates from the waterbending scroll episode. Um, So he was aware of the pirates, and uh, he says that he's glad to have them on for this special mission. And he says, I believe you're acquainted with Prince Zuko, right? And the scene ends. So we know that he's plotting something with Zuko.
0: I loved this. I love that there, that as this season's coming to a close, we're starting to pull in people from previous episodes. So last week we had the fortune teller come back and the herbalist come back, and now we're seeing the pirates come back. Because it's telling us that this world that they're building is, it, these aren't just, weird little episodes, but we should count on, you know, as we've been collecting these allies and enemies sometimes over time that uh, that's, those things are going to have ramifications and, oh, and yeah. those things are going to come back and I love it.
1: Yeah, like I could totally see June the Tracker coming back or all of these different things. It's like When is it going to happen, though? Uh, So we only get that small scene introducing the pirates. And then we go back and Katara is entering what I described as an igloo temple. Right. Right. It's like a temple made of ice, but it also looks warm on the inside like an igloo. And we find uh, Yagoda inside. She's an older woman who's teaching water healing to a group of like four or five children.
0: And And, these are children way younger than Katara.
1: Yes. And so she seems a little bit out of place. All of the children are girls, um, and they're sitting, waiting patiently in a circle. Their legs are crossed, um, and they're watching their master quietly, which I also felt was an interesting dynamic with them sitting there watching quietly versus the men fighting openly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Yagoda places her hand on this human dummy, that's laying on the floor kind of in the center where she's teaching and we see the glowing water the healing water coursing through the body from her touch so she's teaching the children like where to touch for certain healing Mm -hmm. purposes I guess Um, and Katara is less than thrilled to be in what I think is like hmm the water bending version of the kitchen right Right, (laughs) like this is where you belong this is your place yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, but Yagoda is really kind very skilled clearly Then we go back to see Paku, who is training Aang. And um, Aang is in the background moving this small stream of water in the air back and forth. And Paku is doing the same in the foreground, but with the steam that's rising out of his uh, soup. And he says, without even looking at Aang, you're not feeling the push and the pull. And maybe this move is too advanced for you. Maybe you should try an easier one. And Aang in the background drops his water like he's upset that that he's being taunted. So this...
0: (laughs) made me wonder uh why do the teachers have to be cruel (laughs) right well no and and i mean this seriously like you're a teacher as a teacher how do you feel about this that that throughout this like the teachers always are always so far seem to be cruel besides gyatsu and um what does that do to kids watching this like their their view of what education and teachers (laughs) are like
1: yeah well and i wonder too if there is, like, an element of old versus young, like, in in this story. So I could see, like, we know Iroh's a great, the, mm-hmm. the, probably the greatest firebender we've seen so far. We mm-hmm. know Paku's the greatest waterbender. But there's maybe a fear of, like, younger people with a lot of raw talent coming in and having more youth and energy. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe they need to be put in their place yeah. through I cruelty
0: just, I, <laughs> yeah it, 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 it's just very interesting i mean yeah. that definitely is what we've seen and i'm curious to see like will he ever find a teacher who isn't like that yeah you know uh because the the most powerful earthbender we've seen is uh is boomy mm. who uh is not meant not cruel but like playful in a difficult way <laughs> right, right. You know? yeah so so that that's i mean it's just it's just interesting you know to think about kind of the the vision that it projects about education as yeah
1: well. and you i mean you talked in the boomy episode about how it's like a video game too and there's like these different bosses and that's really how the teachers seem right right like a boss that you would have to battle and prove yourself to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is why it's... I mean, I think it is interesting that Gyatso, we don't see him like that. Like, we see him Mm. caring for Aang so much. Um, And especially when he finds out Aang is the Avatar. It's like, hey, we need to actually be even more careful with him. Which is interesting because these folks know he's the Avatar. They know how important this is. Yeah. And everybody seems to be like, but I'm still gonna, like, put my flag in the ground and what I think is important. It's like, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe we should just, like, focus on this is maybe the most important thing. Yeah,
1: maybe nurturing is better. Yeah, but yeah. And, like, Paku's first words you said was, I'm not going to be easy on you. Right. Yeah, yeah, very different. Um. So then we go back to Katara's healing lesson, and it ends, and she stays after, like, a good student, you know, kissing butt. <laughs>
0: well, well, what I found interesting, too, though, is is... As much as, as angry as we know that Katara is, she still comes and does the lesson, though. She's still yep. like, I'm, I'm, a, she's a learner, right? She's like, I'm still going to learn. If I, I, because I know I have this healing power as well. So I should probably learn to harness that, mm-hmm. even though she's not happy about the fact that she's not learning everything she, Feels like she needs to learn.
1: Yeah, she wants to to learn from a powerful waterbender, and Yagoda clearly is one. Mm -hmm. Um, So she does stay behind, and she, like, thanks her for the lesson. And um, Yagoda asks her who the lucky boy is in her life, and Katara's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it turns out that the necklace that Katara wears that she got from her mother is a betrothal necklace. And so Yagoda says, like, oh, I, I thought that you were engaged Katara says, no, it's a family heirloom It was passed down from my grand-grand to my mom to me. And um Yagoda, I noticed that she has the same hair loopies as Katara and mm-hmm. like looks pretty similar to her, like maybe an older version of her. So I was thinking, like, oh, is Yagoda like is is somehow she like related to Katara? Turns out she's not, but she recognizes the carving in the necklace because it belonged to her friend from her past, Kana. It was like her best friend. Um, Who's Katara's grandmother? And Katara doesn't really know much at all. Like she did, she was surprised that her grandmother was from the Northern Water Tribe. And so Yagoda tells her about Kana, about Kana's upbringing in the Northern Water Tribe, and how she was patrolled to a waterbender in, in an arranged marriage. And so that gives a little bit of context to Princess Yue as well. Mm-hmm. So she's 16, so she will probably be in an arranged marriage. Right. Um, and uh, that the carving was made for – or it was made by the person who was Kana's fiance. But Yogoda didn't have any answers for why Kana left.
0: Right. But, Uh, I mean, it is interesting to think about – it makes me think about the Southern Water Tribe because I presume there's only a Northern and a Southern mm -hmm. because they seem like these Arctic people. Um, So is the Southern Water Tribe – does it consist of people who – left for some reason. Oh, sure. Like, are they all relatives of that, you know? Right. You know, like, or, and what are the reasons that, pe- that 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 tribe left? And it also seems much smaller, much le- uh, less well-developed in terms of like, you know, we don't see anything like this city, anything remotely like it. And mm-hmm. even if I think the the men of the tribe were there, I still feel like this feels more like a tribe where the, in the north, it feels like a nation or yeah, a kingdom. Yeah, kingdom, yeah. Yeah.
1: mm mm-hmm. uh, So we don't get much else from that story. We're left wondering why Kana left. But then we go back to Zuko's ship, and it's nighttime. And Iroh just said farewell to the crew um, that's leaving, uh, going off with Zhao for the special mission. He, he tells him good luck. And Iroh comes into Zuko's quarters again, and Zuko's laying on his bed, arms crossed, grumpin'. And was like, I think you just need to go for a walk, right? Like he's like, you seem, you got some like hot energy going on. You need to go out in the cool air, get some fresh air, which I'm like, this guy should be a therapist.
0: Yeah. Truly. (laughs) He knows what's right for everyone. Oh my
1: gosh. Well, it's like people will like stick their heads in the freezer if they're getting angry, right? Or they'll like go outside in the cold to cool down. Like Zuko could use that for sure. Um, And he's like, maybe we could even just, you know, talk through some things together. But Zuko ignores him. And so Iroh says, or just stay in your room and sit in the dark, whatever makes you happy. And he leaves the ship and he's going to go walk kind of on this snowy shore, this town nearby.
0: So, you know, it also just makes me... What I love about Iroh is that he's got all kinds of advice for Zuko, but he also, like, lets Zuko make his decisions. He never... I, I don't think he's ever forced... Uh, with the few exceptions where he breaks up a fight is right. about the only time that he steps in and is like no this is what's happening and let's remember Iro is not only the most powerful firebender we've seen besides um, uh, uh, Zuko's father mm-hmm. he's also a general who's like led huge armies and under like like he's used to like telling people what to do yeah and that people obey yeah so it's really interesting you know the the care he has for Zuko
1: yeah and maybe you you were talking about like a gentle master he's another version of that him Mm -hmm. and Gyatso for sure it's like softness for them yeah
0: if I had to learn those are the two teachers that I would like
1: oh yeah um he's not making Zuko play the Sungi horn he's not like making Zuko Mm -hmm. go on a walk with him it's always his choice he always has agency but then um, a little bit later, I think we have a, a commercial break, and um, it's dark at night, and the pirates that we saw earlier secretly board Zuko's ship. So now the crew is gone, Iroh's on a walk, and they hoist barrels of explosives, blasting jelly, onto was the a deck. little
0: jet callback. There. Yeah, right? Well, no, but, but, but really, like, that they've introduced this thing in the world, and it's like, okay, now we can use that over here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the blasting jelly in the, in the barrels are hoisted onto the deck, and Zuko wakes up to a noisy, like creaky door or the floor or something. And he looks suspicious because he's like, everyone is gone but me. So he goes out in the hallway um, and he walks through the ship searching for stowaways, searching for some kind of danger, uh, but not finding anything. And the pirates are sneaky and they light the barrels and then they run down off of the ship. And um, Zuko's in the like the where where is he, do you think, like the captain's?
0: yeah quarters Quarters.
1: yeah um at at kind of the head of the ship and he doesn't find anyone but he does see the the I wrote pirate's frog parrot it kind of looks like a frog parrot yeah they said it was a
0: reptile bird oh okay there you go Yeah.
1: yeah um And it's sitting outside, and I thought that it was even giving a warning to Zuko, because it, like, sits there, looks at him, cause, and then flies away. So I feel like the animals are on his side. But, you know, maybe that's me reading in. And uh, Zuko realizes, he remembers that parrot from before. And uh, so the ship then begins to explode as Zuko's coming to this realization, and we see the fire blasting through the ship. Um, and we hear him yell, and off in the distance, Iroh is on his walk, and he sees the ship go up in flames from afar, and he's shocked and mortified.
0: And this this scene reminded me of the uh, the explosion of the the ship in The Usual Suspects, because <laughs> even like the like the like line of explosives burning, mm-hmm. and then like the big explosion and the big sort of towers of flames. Mm-hmm.
1: So. it reminded me too of. That episode where the water jets episode actually where the water is coming down on that village and they let you sit and think like mm-hmm. the worst could have happened, right? And like we know that Zuko, like
0: he's right in character, but we've seen we've seen enough things to know that they didn't just kill Zuko,
1: right? Right. But still, they let you sit there, and um, then it's it's night in the northern tribe fortress as well, and Sokka is shyly meeting Yue on the bridge, and he made her a gift. <laughs> it's this really sad looking carving of she thinks it's a bear but it's supposed to be a fish and he like turns it over in his hand and he's like see like (laughs) I made it for you it's a fish and Yue looks distraught and she says I'm sorry I made a mistake and she runs away leaving Sokka on the bridge by himself confused and he gets angry at his carving and maybe he thinks that that was (laughs) what did him in and he throws it into the water. So Sokka bursts angrily into the igloo where the Aangang is staying. And um, they're like lounging on this big fur rug that looks kind of like Appa's fur. Did Mm -hmm. you notice that too? Looks warm in there. Yeah.
0: It reminds me of uh, Bato's quarters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: when I say igloo, it's not like... It's it's not not little. (laughs) Right. This is
0: luxurious.
1: And um, they're all kind of debriefing their day that they spent separate from each other, which is rare. So Katara says, how's warrior training to Sokka? And Sokka collapses into his bed, and she's like, was it that bad? And Sokka said, no, 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 it's Princess Yue. And he's like, well, how was waterbending training? And Aang says, Master Poo-Poo Head won't teach her because she's a girl. I love that he called him Master (laughs) Poo-Poo Head. And now it's Katara's turn, and she then collapses into the bed just like Sokka. And Sokka's like, well, why don't, like, Aang, why don't you just train Katara after after hours, right? Like in the dark. Wisdom. Yeah, smart. And, and Katara's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Like, that's a genius, genius idea. And so they decide to go leave and practice uh, in the night. And I just want to make a small note. It happened very subtly. But Aang, as he's getting up off the rug, airbends, you see him like airbend up off the floor. And I was like, that would just be so nice. Yeah. Because I'm getting to that age where now if I'm laying down, it takes a little bit more for me to get from yep, laying position yep. to standing position. It
0: reminds me of when Katara makes the like water bend- waterbending umbrella. Yeah. And it's like,
1: oh yeah, you could do that too. It's this little action that's like not meant to be taking up the scene. But it's like, oh, that would just be so convenient. Anyway, so that's an aside. But they're walking now. Um, they're kind of along the river practicing in the dark. And uh, Paku sees them from above on a bridge. And he says, you have disrespected me, my teachings, and my entire culture. You are no longer welcome as my students. Um, So here we see again another master saying that Aang is unteachable. So before with Zhang Zhang, it's because of the impatience um, that he had for the the style of training. And this time it's because he has pushed back on like a cultural custom of the area.
0: Which is so interesting because like with, with Zhang Zhang, I felt like... I'm on his side, right? <laughs> like, yes, Aang, Like, just, like, like, please listen to him. And, and in this one, I feel totally different. I'm like, no, Aang's right, and right. and they're they're right to push back.
1: Right, right. Um, and I also had a note of like maybe Paku thinks that Aang is untrustworthy at this point too. Like he. You know, oh, and like sure. trust is such an important element for Aang. Oh, and like yeah, he,
0: that's yeah, he has broken trust, you're right.
1: Right, and so maybe Aang could have gone about it a different way. Maybe it would be more important for him to say, to tell his teacher like, this is what I'm doing because I don't agree with your customs mm-hmm. rather than to hide it
0: um, and disrespect. Although he probably would have gotten the same result.
1: Right, probably. But
0: it's still more honest and upfront. Honorable, yeah. perhaps,
1: yeah. yeah. So um, the Aang gang is in what, I wrote as the throne room of the palace of the Northern tribe. And I wanted to note, too, that we've seen two throne rooms so far, right? So we've seen the Fire Lord in his, and it's like him on a lofted stage by himself, and there's like a wall of fire behind him. right? And then his um, advisor table is out in front with the map and everything. So it's like very much a I'm up here, you're down there. Sure. Where here we have... The king, Princess Yue, we have uh, Master Paku, they're all sitting on the same level. And then there's like a row of people above them kind of like in a stadium seating. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it seems much more of a communal
0: society. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Like shared power. Mm -hmm. Um, So much different from what we see in the Fire Nation throne room. Uh, And the king says to Katara, you know, I suspect that Master Paku might change his mind, you know, might teach... Aang again if you swallow your pride and apologize to him and Katara like she's like fine sure I'll do it but then Paku calls her a little girl he's like I'm waiting little girl and that's where she her fists are clenched and she starts to yell Um, and she says that she'll never uh, forgive a sour old man like him she doesn't he doesn't deserve her apology. And as she gets angry, she starts to crack the ice around her. And we see Aang do that sometimes when he gets to these points of emotion. Well, we too. saw
0: Katara do it to break the iceberg open. When? At the, in the first oh, yeah. episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and what I wonder is like, is nobody else seeing this? Like, uh, to me, that must speak to this kind of, to use uh Zhang Zhang's phrase, uh, raw power. Yeah. That it's like, this is, something that i don't know that we see from everyone so yeah it, like it, it's it's such an interesting moment because this is not the first time that we've seen that happen
1: right right um so the, even the ice tiles she's standing on are cracking she like accidentally cracks open these vessels to the side of her and water spills out and um Aang is worried and he's like katara katara uh and she says i'll be outside if you're man enough to fight me awesome <laughs> Yeah. so she's now playing on his his hyper masculinity and the council then I guess I called them the council they gasp and Paku stares unflinchingly um, and she storms out of the throne room so let me go back to Iroh and Zhao and they're sitting at a table in the admiral's tent at the naval base I'm assuming mm-hmm. and Zhao is pouring tea and trying to comfort Iroh he's like I'm so sorry to hear what happened with Prince Zuko and Iroh says, the Fire Lord will not be pleased when he learns who was responsible for Zuko's death. And Zhao starts to worry, and he thinks like, uh-oh, Iroh knows it's me. Um, but Iroh plays plays it well, and he says, no, 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 it's, pir- like, I, it's the pirates we met before. Mm-hmm. They wanted revenge on Zuko.
0: Iroh is brilliant.
1: Yeah. So Zhao is satisfied. We see it like a flicker of a smile. Um, he thinks he's tricking Iroh. And Iroh then says, like, he accepts Zhao's offer. It's going to be an honor to serve for you as general. So then we go back to Katara. She's storming out down the steps of the palace. Um, She's, like, throwing her her outer layers onto Sokka. She's, like, ready to fight, like, sleeves rolled. And um, Sokka and Aang are worried. And Sokka even goes, are you crazy? Which I was, like... Sokka in the past, when he rushes into things, we say he's being crazy, but he's also being brave. Mm-hmm. And so this whole episode is like Katara living into being brave, Absolutely. even if it feels foolhardy to other people. And um, Aang's like, you don't have to do this for me. And she said, I'm not doing it for you, Aang. And then Pakku um, emerges from the, the palace and he walks down the steps quietly, doesn't even pay attention to Katara, uh, but she taunts him. And he says, go back to the healing huts or, you know, go back to the kitchen with the other women where you belong. And Katara draws icy water up from the ground and whips it at the back of Paku's head as he's walking. And I was like, how did he not defend himself from that? Right. Like, didn't he see that coming?
0: I don't I mean, I, I think he didn't doesn't know what she's capable of.
1: True. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't even considered that she could be as powerful as she is. Um, and so when she hits him in the back of the head, he turns around and he says, fine, if you want to learn to fight so bad, study closely. And he draws water out of these two small, like, pools or fountains nearby. And he hits Katara down as she runs towards him. And he makes this, like, spiral of water that surrounds the two of them, and it makes her close in on him. And he says tauntingly, um, patronizingly, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. And, uh, um... Katara but she holds her own, right? And so she uses She like yeah, she
0: like throws that circle away, right? Yeah,
1: and she uses these tricks that we haven't seen before. So she like jumps out of that circle and lands um kind of on a pillar. And um she draws up snow around her ankles and she kind of like like gets herself into place. Mm-hmm. Um so that when he throws more water at her, it won't like force her to fall back.
0: This reminded me of um cuz that seems weird to be like I'm going to freeze my feet into the ground. Right. It reminded me of uh if you've, have you ever read the book Ender's Game? No. There's a there's a a great scene in there where like they're they're in this battle school and Ender realizes that actually like shooting yourself to make your your legs not in real in this this simulation, right, to make your legs dead then they actually create something that'll help you cuz it sort of mm-hmm. serves as a shield cuz you Once your legs are dead, if they keep shooting at your legs, it doesn't matter. And it sort of reminded me of that. Like, she's thinking, like, I'm going to do this thing that's going to immobilize myself, but it's actually going to make me stronger for what he's trying to do to me. Yeah. I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, it was really smart. We haven't seen her do anything like that before. Um, And certainly Paku hasn't either. Um, But she then yells out um, in a very deep way, (laughs) layered. She says, you can't knock me down.
0: Which uh, I'm going to make a uh, a weird video store reference here. Oh. This reminded me of of the movie Raging Bull when uh, Jake LaMotta he's he's losing he loses to um, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, but he he keeps running up to him and says, "You never knocked me down, Ray. You never knocked me <laughs> down." So <it's, laughs> it made me think of that. <laughs> That's the energy she's carrying
1: in this episode. Real for sure. Jake LaMotta energy from her. <laughs> um, and so we see too that the Aang gang are like, and a bunch of onlookers. I think Princess Yue is in there, even maybe the king. They're all watching and they're actually cheering Katara. They're like, go Katara.
0: (laughs) I need to also say, I don't remember, I think this has probably already happened in this scene, but there's this moment where like her hair gets kind of blown. Mm. uh, Like, because it's always, it always looks the same, put together the same, but then we see like her hair down and like the little like,
1: these Loop things
0: are like hanging down. Yeah, her
1: hair is not up anymore, and it's right. she kind of looks wild. Yeah, but cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, like she looks strong. And uh, so as the the onlookers are cheering, she runs at Paku and she starts fighting him with her fists. Like she's done with water now and is just hitting at him, throwing punches. Uh, but he water bends her into this nearby pool. And she falls into the water and you think, like, maybe she's done. Maybe she's too tired. But she stands up and she makes this, like, stump of <laughs> yeah, ice, I like guess. low
0: pillar. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah.
1: And um, she, so I'm going to try to describe this. She slides her hand across the top of this stump and she makes, like, thin slices of ice and then, like, karate chops them at him
0: yeah I mean I would say it's so she's moving it's it's almost like she's like if you think about this stump like it's a deck of cards and each card is like yeah. this razor this like circular razor and she's like shooting these things at him and he has to like dodge and bend to get and around hit them,
1: them even using his hands to hit him out of the way and there's one point where it slows down and one of these sheets of ice like almost hits him and you see him looking at his reflection in the ice and I think that's where he's like oh, okay
0: she's like actually really strong Which and what's amazing about this is like remember in the waterbending scroll when she's like oh we need to have these this the stuff on this scroll so we can learn how to do things and now she's just like creating in the moment
1: yeah and it's like a lot of anger that's propelling it too maybe
0: well, anger and necessity though yeah you know like yeah
1: yeah um, and he goes well I'm impressed you're an excellent waterbender and then Katara says but you still won't teach me right and he says no. And he starts to, like, ice surf at her. He, like, draws snow and ice out of the ground. He, like, freezes water and, and surfs at Katara. Uh, but she dodges. However, her necklace is struck and it flies off of her onto the ground. And Paku is able to draw water from a pool nearby. And he, he sends, like, these spears of ice into the air and then mm-hmm. down surrounding her. And it, it locks her in and she like can't move. a cage, move. yeah. Yeah, and she can't move her arms. Um, so she is defeated, and as Paku walks away, he finds her necklace on the ground, and he says, "My necklace," and he was like, "I I, I made this sixty years ago," and so it's uh, Kana who was betrothed to Paku, and I was kind of like, "See why she left him," but you know, <laughs> maybe maybe he's hardened since then. Sure. I don't know, but he calls her the love of his life. So then we go back to the naval base and Iroh is walking down a hallway and he slows down as he passes a a Fire Nation soldier who has a helmet that's obstructing his face. And they slow down so much that they just stop and talk to each other side by side, uh, facing opposite directions. And Iroh says, our plan is working perfectly. Zhao doesn't suspect a thing. And Zuko takes off part of the helmet, right? And we see his scar and his face is bruised and like all cut all around it. And he says... Like, uncle, you didn't have to do this. And Iroh says, no nephew of mine is going uh, to stow away on a ship without some backup. Stay hidden till we get to the North Pole.
0: And he says, yeah, and and, and you'll be able to, and the Avatar will be yours. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And so then um, we go back to Katara and Paku, and Paku explains that he had loved her grandmother. And Katara said, she didn't love you, though, did she? It was an arranged marriage. Grand Grand wouldn't let your stupid customs ruin her life. It must have taken a lot of courage, a lot of bravery.
0: Now, what's interesting is this is Katara's theory, right? He mm. doesn't like necessarily say anything back to that, does he?
1: No, he doesn't give any. Yeah, right. And maybe he doesn't know
0: because what's interesting is she keeps the necklace. She turns the necklace into a family heirloom. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, were there other reasons that she left? Yeah. And uh, and are we going to learn more about this? Are we going to learn more about Grand Grand's backstory? I mean, did she leave because she didn't want to be in an arranged marriage, or did, did something else force her to leave? Because you would think if she didn't love him and didn't want to be part of this, why would she keep that necklace? Why would she give it to her daughter, who gave it to her daughter? Like right. Like I feel like there's like there's more to this story.
1: Yeah, and we don't we don't ever meet like their grandpa, but we assume like she met somebody else, she had kids. So why? Yeah, why did she keep this token right. from another person? Right, I mean,
0: it would be like if somebody proposed to you and you said no, but you kept the ring and wore it, and then passed that on to your children. Like that would be really strange.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't think about that. Yeah, because he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Interesting. But when they're talking about arranged marriage. We uh, Princess Yue is in the background and she starts to sob. And she runs off and then Aang is like, go after her, Sokka.
0: <laughs> Which is great because we have Aang giving Sokka advice Yeah, now, right. right?
1: <laughs> wise Aang, wise with the ladies. And so then um, Sokka runs after Yue. And it's much darker now on um, the sun has set. And they're on, I believe, the same bridge as earlier. And he... Sokka's really smooth in this moment, too. He comforts her, but he says also, I don't need anything from you, um, but I want you to know that you're beautiful. And so he says, like, you're a princess, and I get it. I'm just a southern peasant. And he says, it's okay. And he turns to leave. He's like, you don't need to explain anymore. I understand. I'll see you around. But Yue grabs him and then pulls him into a kiss. Kiss number two. That's right. For Sokka in this series so far. Man, that boy. And uh, she says, I do like you a lot, but we can't be together. And she pulls down her scarf, and we see that she has a betrothal necklace as well. So she says she's engaged, too. And she runs away again. She, this girl, like, runs off crying a lot. I don't know how I feel about her yet. She
0: seems fine. I feel like we need to know a lot more about her. Yeah,
1: because right now I'm like, mm, all right. Because
0: we don't even know... Uh, I mean, we can assume she doesn't want to be part of this arranged marriage, but it may be that she does, but she's like, oh, I also like you. But no, the, like I don't know. We just, yeah. she, she hasn't said much.
1: We need her character to develop a little more. Yeah,
0: Thankfully, we're not going anywhere. So <laughs> I think I think we're going to learn more about her. Maybe they'll
1: do an activity in a place for some time.
0: That's right. We'll see.
1: So then the next morning, Aang is out practicing this waterbending move with Paku and the boys. And uh, Katara runs up and Paku looks at her and says pretty harshly, what do you think you're doing? It's past sunrise and you're late. And he smiles a little bit. We see a little bit of a Paku smile. And Aang turns to Katara and says, it's good to see you
0: here. Now, I get the joke and I get why they did it because it's this little misdirect. But do you think Katara would be late? No, Yeah, like, absolutely not. It actually kind of bothers me because it's like what, Aang would be the one who was late. Katara mm-hmm. would have been there early. And I mean, because she is Hermione, right? She's, yeah. Like like... Like yeah, she she would never have been late.
1: I could see Paku changing the time last minute and then making her be late because he's a jerk.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll you know what? I'm <laughs> going to buy saves it, right? I'm going to buy that piece of fan fiction to be like that makes sense out of it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but he does it kind of as a joke. Yeah. He's not not doing it to be cruel. He's doing it like, "Ah, I got gotcha. you." <laughs> yeah,
1: like you're a part of the boys now, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, then we go back to Zhao and Iroh, and they're standing on, uh, on his ship, um, and he says, my fleet is ready, uh, Zhao does, uh, set a course for the Northern Water Tribe. So now everything is in motion. They got rid of Zuko, presumably, and uh, we zoom out from Zhao's ship, and he's the front of this massive fleet that's like dozens and dozens of ships, um, and they're all sending up signals to head out. And that's where we end. So we know, like, we're on the verge of a really big battle.
0: Right. Right. No. And and what I loved about this episode and the one before is both of them were fearless to end on a dark note. Yeah. On a note of like, there is something real bad coming.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, these last couple episodes. We, we always say it's better when Zuko's there, right? Mm-hmm. But I also like that the series has so many different plots happening at once where I think with a kid's show it could just be really like central but they're letting all these elements fall into place now and like that's what's the next episode. And
0: the other thing that they've done is they've uh, made Zhao rise as like this is the the big enemy because Zuko is like this tricky how exactly do we think about him, blue Mm. spirit stuff. But they've also already shown us uh, Zuko's father. Yeah. But it's like we're not gonna we don't get that yet. We know that there's like a real boss at the end. Yeah. Right. So I actually I think that's I think it's cool that Ozai is is not um not even involved yet.
1: Yeah, like Zhao is Ozai light
0: yeah yeah like you and, gotta get through that first, and what Aang has to then wrestle with are two people who are trying to please Ozai mm. you know by capturing him mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like so that so it really is this like three way battle, right, mm-hmm. which is gonna be really fascinating and and we've and we now have Aang at a place where we don't need to worry about him leaving again. It's not like, why are you spending time here? We know why he's spending time here and troubles coming to him, right. You know, because he's—they've been running away from trouble this whole time because they had a place to go. Now it's—it comes to a head. Yep. So that—that's going to be really exciting. Uh, what are other big themes or observations that you had? Um, I mean, one of the big things that I—this is obvious—but they have their water teacher now. Yeah. You know, like this was this whole season from episode two on, maybe even episode one was propelling towards that. Yeah. Now we know who that person is.
1: I also wonder how much of the next two episodes are going to be training versus how much is like we have to learn in the moment, like like we saw Qatar do today, like with the the Fire Nation attacking.
0: My guess is it's the latter. Yeah, um, because I think it's going to be one of those trial by fire, literally <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, we also learned that the water the water tribe, and it feels weird to call them the water tribe, mm. but like that is a powerful kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I think that's. Uh, I think that's definitely something we didn't know. I don't think Katara knew it. I don't think Sokka knew it. Um, But it also makes me wonder, like, we know that the Southern Water Tribe men went to fight with the Earth Kingdom. Mm. But is the Northern Water Tribe, are they just like, well, we're up here. We're on our own. We're not part of this. Yeah. Because Zhao seems to almost talk that way. Like. You know, we don't mess with those with those folks. They've managed to survive there, right? Right. So, how much of this is like iso- isolationism? Yep. Yep. You know, like is this? Uh, if we're thinking about the 20th century. Like, is this trying to get like the isolationist U.S. involved? Right. We have this, this pow- potentially powerful uh, kingdom, but can we can we pull them into the fray?
1: Yeah, and I wonder too if that's what Bossing Say is like as well. Like, if that's the last stronghold because they've chosen not to get involved. But like eventually they will, but
0: they've been attacked and they've held siege to it. Oh, we true haven't, we with haven't, Iro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, so I feel like that's involved, but that has held. Right, right. This, this really is the. I mean, this might be the Fire Nation poking the bear. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, it's like, we didn't want to be involved in this, but now you forced our hand. Mm-hmm. So that will be very interesting to sort of see how that plays out. Because we know from the title of the next episode where this is headed. Uh, other big themes, we see the reversal of tradition versus progress. Yep. You know, and now uh, I love that they, I love that we were able to pair these two episodes together too, because it, complicates that question yeah and if a kid is watching this thinking about it it's like you you end up coming down on opposite sides of this
1: Mm -hmm. if taken on their own it's a very different story than what's together
0: yeah Yeah. i think another big thing we learned is that we've learned the link that Zhao will go
1: Mm.
0: he is not only willing to put all his forces into finding the avatar he's willing to murder zuko yeah i mean he calls in a hit on zuko a child yeah. And the, and the Fire Lord's son. Yep. You know, the uh, the fallen heir to the throne. He just called a hit out on him. Right. And thinks he's succeeded.
1: And, like, I mean, Iroh's, Iroh's being smart, but I I could see him also wanting to get Iroh out of there, too. Like, once he's done using him, it's yep. like
0: he's disposable. Right, right. Again, this is a kid show. Yeah. And, and we have a hit called in. And we actually see the money change hands on that hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think the other big thing for me is the the grand grand backstory we mm. learn a little bit about, but it, it raises tons of questions and it and it makes me wonder more about the southern water tribe who are they what is their relationship to the northern water kingdom like, yeah, like they're the same they're of the same people, I'm presuming, but is there also a divide between them yeah or is there or is there cooperation between them? They definitely welcome. Katara and Sokka but really they're welcoming Aang like Mm -hmm. Katara and Sokka maybe just come along with that like I I don't know I don't know what that relationship looks like
1: yeah I'm also curious how they're setting up for the battles in the next one with I mean we had Sokka and warrior training we had Aang separate from Katara so maybe those three will function very separately in this like upcoming battle in the next two episodes and also mention of spirit the spirit world again Mm -hmm. and how that will connect
0: oh yeah yeah (sighs) Yeah, the the role of the supernatural will be mm-hmm. be very interesting. Well, Annie, this has been so much fun. These were two long, <laughs> important episodes. Um, mm-hmm. We will be back next week. So next Saturday, we're going to be dropping one episode, mm-hmm. um, which is the first part of, do you know what the episode's called? Is it like the
1: Siege of the North?
0: The Siege of the North. Well, that sounds very Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> so we're going to drop uh, part one of the Siege of the North, and then part two we're going to drop over Thanksgiving weekend on the, the following we're Saturday. We're going to make
1: you sit and wait for it.
0: That's right. So uh, so you'll have your uh, your cliffhanger there. Um, I presume it ends on a cliffhanger. I haven't seen the episode yet. <laughs> uh, but we hope you've enjoyed this. You can email us at channel3900 at gmail.com. Um, so you can go to our website, avatarwithacademics.wordpress.com. You can find old episodes, leave comments, interact. Uh, please do. We would love to hear your experience uh, with this show, your experience with Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, we're going to start bringing guests on as we move into Season 2. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in being a guest, uh, please feel free to reach out to us, channel3900 at gmail.com. Annie, that's all the time we have. I am exhausted. We do. <laughs> we will be back next week to talk about the Siege of the North part one.